you know, I remember that one day I just couldn't feel my body. I mean, I realized that I'm so tired that I need to do something, but then I had no energy to do anything. So I think uh, that's the trick when you're in that state, because even if you realize you have to do something, sometimes um, we need help uh, to get uh, out of there. And I was alone in London. I had uh, very few friends, uh, mostly colleagues. And for me, there was a tiny uh, habit that helped me. I saw um, a research about gratitude, which was actually framed in a much more simplistic way. What makes you happy? A hundred happy days. Uh, and I turned that into, into a habit. They were saying that if you do that for a hundred days, there are some benefits. You feel better, you have more clarity, and it takes a minute per day. And I was like, okay, I can do one minute. You know, I remember it was, it was something that opened the door to a whole new universe for me with just this tiny habit of starting to practice mindfulness every day. Welcome to the Bright Living Podcast, a podcast where we explore tools and techniques to build a more luminous life. My name is Emma. I am a guide for yoga, meditation, and founder of Bright Living, and I will be your host today. For a conversation around gratitude today, I have invited Veronika Brejan, one of my dearest mentors who embodies generosity, gratitude, abundance, living her life's purpose. With a history of corporate burnout and career change, she now helps people come closer to their potential as leaders. Veronika Brejan is an executive coach and managing partner at Neuro Mindfulness Institute, a company who offers transformational leadership programs, executive coaching services, and executive retreats. She is also an accredited practitioner, NLP and timeline therapy with the American Board of NLP. Veronika is a graduate of the International EMBA program from Maastricht School of Management. Before co-founding Neuromindfulness Institute, Veronika held top HR positions in London, Paris, and Eastern Europe. She has uh, 15 years of experience in HR and 10 years of experience as an executive coach, internal and external. Together with her business partner, specialized in neuroscience and research, Veronika has led executive development programs in the UK, France, Spain, Nordic countries, Eastern Europe. Her personal mantra is, it is only in the heart that one can see rightly. What is essential is invisible for the eye. Her life purpose is to bring together modern science, ancient wisdom, and business acumen to inspire leaders to raise their level of consciousness and make a positive change and difference in the world. Gratitude is at the core of her being and of everything she's doing. Let's see why. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bright Living Podcast, where today we have a guest who is so very, very special to my heart. Welcome, Veronica. I'm so happy to have you here. And I'd like to start with a question that um, I really love to, to ask all the guests. You have uh, many roles in your life. You have a very important mission to accomplish. But who are you? Who is Veronica behind all those roles? Thank you so much, Emma, for inviting and for starting with uh, like straight into the topic, right? Yeah, I think I'm, I'm discovering every day uh, who I am. And as you said, these days I, um, I am a mom, I'm a partner, I'm a friend, I'm a daughter. So uh, lots of roles that, um, that are um, playing in, in my uh, life. But in the same time, I uh, train my brain and my heart to remember that I'm just a soul on a journey. And, um, 
and um, learning is part of my uh, path Mm. so I think um, when I'm good when I'm at peace um, I come back to this idea and this belief that I'm a soul on a journey and everybody I meet everything I do is part of um, uh, a flow and try to stay in that flow which is which is a big challenge especially at the end Mm. of the year with all the closing all the projects and the Uh, kid at school lots of activities and uh, you know so year year end can be can be um, a time of uh, busyness for for many of us yeah I was uh, just about to ask you how is life looking for you these days life is good today so again uh, I um, I learned to appreciate these days and to say it more when uh, when there are good days like this I I went into the busyness of the year end until two days ago when I attended a workshop and there was a beautiful meditation. We were together actually participants <laughs> and that brought me home. So meditation, that meditation brought me home and remembering, well, life is simple if we make it simple, even in the busy time. Mm. So today life is good. Uh, yesterday I uh, co-worked with my partner and also with our kid because he was at home and we managed to make the busiest week of the year uh, a fun time and a time when we achieved everything, but also we uh, had a little bit of fun and uh, enjoy the family time. Thank you for the pictures, by the way. And I feel like that is such an amazing skill to have during this time to keep your grace, to keep your your peace and quiet and um yeah, how do you do it, Vero? How do you manage that? Well, I don't manage. I mean, um, I'm just like uh, everybody else. There are times when life is hard. Mm. Uh, we lose control and nothing works, not even mindfulness or gratitude or whatever we talk mm. here. So I'd like to first maybe, before we talk about this beautiful topic of gratitude and mindfulness, maybe we acknowledge that Sometimes we're in pain. Uh, Sometimes life is really, really difficult um, because of things we've done, decisions we've done, or simply because uh, maybe uh, we are in a position where we lose family members Hmm. or there is such a context where we feel trapped. So whatever we say here is beautiful, but sometimes uh, I want to also acknowledge that there are moments uh, when it's really, really difficult. And we want to honor those stories and those people who maybe are listening to us and uh, send them a big hug. For sure, for sure. And especially at the end of the year, I feel like it's a time when the things that are maybe unresolved or are not uh, perfect in our lives, they those things tend to come up again. They tend to to show up, and maybe the reflection time that we have uh, makes us look at them um, and maybe process them. Yeah, and there's also a lot of pressure. Um, I mean, Christmas, Thanksgiving in some parts of the world, but uh, Christmas, if we talk about most of the planet, um, you know, celebrating in one way or another something around the year end is Christmas or other celebrations. And there's a lot of pressure. We come back to the family. We meet the parents, which means sometimes triggers um, or other family (laughs) members. And it's a good opportunity for growth. But uh, sometimes we're just tired. And and those triggers press the buttons that we don't want to press. So that's why it's a very 
powerful time of the mm. year if we think of learning, but it's not an easy time of the year if we think of all the other elements uh, that involve um, this celebration. Mm. I think there was a saying, it said, um, if you think you're enlightened, go spend <laughs> a week with your family. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Yeah, it's usually true. Why do you think family is so triggering to most of us? Um, well, I can tell you why family is triggering for me, because that's mm -hmm. where there's a lot at stake. And uh, so that's where the, the biggest love is. And that's where the biggest connection is. So for me, that's an element where because I care so much, uh, I am attached more, much more than mm. um, much easier to detach from a business project, from a business idea than to detach from your own kid or from your partner. And I think also meeting parents, if you go to that side of the family, is, um, is a triggering moment because simply we have built those buttons in so many years. And they go back to maybe implicit memories or childhood uh, memories that we remember or we don't remember. And uh, and we press those buttons and then the whole chain of emotions is unleashed. So that's why uh, I think uh, probably this time is particularly sensitive. Mm. I'm listening to you speak and uh, I, I can totally sense the wisdom and um I know the empathy uh, that is there and the, the loving human being. And I'm just wondering uh, and if you could share with us, were you always like this? Was it always like this for you? Yeah, I'm always there. Never had any challenge in my whole life. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sure of that. <laughs> yeah, I. if I would have to go back to the most painful, um, like some of them is really really painful moments of my life but there were also moments of growth uh, um, although I didn't perceive them as such uh, when, when they happened there were three so my my touch points were 30 34 and 40 mm. uh, so I was quite lucky to have a really simple life until 30 I would say and at 30, I faced real life because I divorced after being married for two months. So it was like, um, just took a very bad decision uh, that seemed to be wonderful in the moment I took it. But then very quickly it turned out into something that I knew I cannot live with. Mm. So extremely painful. Uh, had to come back to the country because I left the country. Um, it was in uh, full crisis, 2009, no job, no money, broken heart at 30 oh. was not a great, uh, not a great moment, let's say, not the way I pictured my 30th anniversary. And uh, then 34 was the moment when I was in burnout. And I'll tell a little bit more about that. Um, and at uh, 40, during the pandemic where, you know, I was, we were already in the neuro mindfulness journey and meditating, yoga teacher, all the beautiful things and tools that we know. Mm. And I had to live for three months in a house with my parents-in-law and with our four years old son and my husband's aunt who was 95. So um, wow. my father was at the end of his life. Uh, with mental and physical illness so there was a lot of compassion but there was a lot of anger in the whole ecosystem 
um, right, of helplessness, lots of mix of emotions, plus the pandemic. So it was the first lockdown that brought us in this context. So um, I think these were the three really, really tough, you know, like those moments when you can see a hole, uh, like uh, you can see there's a valley where you can fall deeply uh, and you're playing with that border of staying, you know, staying um, in this life and staying in, in this family and staying um, alive. Uh, so I played with that for three times in my life. I remember exactly how it feels. And the the maybe I can talk about one of them a little bit more um, because burnout is a topic that I hear very often from our clients, from our friends these days, uh, being them corporate or entrepreneurs, it doesn't matter. It seems to be like the common uh, common theme of tiredness like deep tiredness and and burnout and for me it was a uh, I had no idea what is burnout at 34 it was nine years ago uh, people mm. were not open about it and I was in London I had a big job in a big company I had a global role um, and the house and the money and the title and everything so like the end of my ego like more than that it it was already much more than I could ever imagine from this life. And I was so dead on the inside. I mean, mm. I know people talk more openly about this, but it's I literally remember the feeling of working 16 hours per day, seven oh, uh, days out of seven, not because someone asked. I think that's interesting. Whenever I look back, uh, you know, I realized that nobody asked me to do that. I was so excited about what I, what I was doing. I love the project. I love my job. So, mm. you know, I wouldn't blame the company or anyone else. It was just my own journey that brought me there. Uh, a bit like burning some steps, if you want. And... Um, you know, I remember that one day I just couldn't feel my body. I mean, I realized that I'm so tired mm -hmm. that I need to do something, but then I had no energy to do anything. So I think um, that's the trick when you're in that state, because even if you realize you have to do something, sometimes um, we need help uh, to get uh, out of there. And I was alone in London. I had uh, very few friends, uh, mostly colleagues. And for me, there was a tiny uh, habit that helped me. I saw um, a research about gratitude, which was actually framed in a much more simplistic way. What makes you happy? A hundred happy days. Uh, and I turned that into, into a habit. They were saying that if you do that for a hundred days, there are some benefits. You feel better, you have more clarity, and it takes a minute per day. And I was like, okay, I can do one minute. You know, I remember it was it was something that opened the door to a whole new universe for me with just this tiny habit of starting to practice mindfulness every day. I feel like this is so important what you're sharing right now. And uh, thank you for letting us in, in your life and such a vulnerable moment in your life. I am sure that many of us listening here can resonate and maybe are in that point in this very moment. And I love how you didn't make it a point to have like a big practice. I'm going to turn my life around. I'm going, I'm going to have a big practice. No, it's just going to be one minute per day of um, my happiness moment, my gratitude moment. And Vero, when did things start to shift? When did you start to see um, an improvement or an upgrade? 
So I did this 100 days journey and then I repeated the journey for the last nine years. I think, I don't know, 18, 19 times I've stopped counting at one point. Mm. And there is a group on Facebook, 100 days uh, gratitude challenge, you know, to make it easy to remember. Uh, And people just share gratitude. And I noticed some patterns because I've done it so many times. um, And I have so many friends who have been in this. um, They entered in a playful way and then they saw the benefits. And there is always, always a moment around day 2022 where things become easy. Uh, So I remember until 20, day 20, I had to stop and say hey now I think of what what I'm grateful for or what makes me happy or whatever it was the narrative but after day 2022 it just becomes uh, part of your day-to-day life you spontaneous I spontaneously thought of gratitude I had moments of I love coffee so and you know it's uh <laughs> Many, many of us in Romania love coffee. So I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to stop and have a flat white. And this would be a moment, (laughs) a small moment of gratitude. And then there is another interesting point. uh, And that's why I think it's really important to do it for 100 days. Around day 70, uh, things start to shift in a more profound way. Ideas, people, resources anything I need for for work or for life starts to come my way in with less effort and I don't think it's magical I mean I used to think oh my god this is like amazing but then when I read a little bit research and when now with the awareness I have I think it's just broadening the awareness and because we it's like we put a flashlight uh, initially and then we turn on the light and when you broaden your awareness you suddenly see more uh, and then you can pick up whatever you need from that more, from a, like a broader universe, let's say. <laughs> so in this 100 days journey, that was for me uh, interesting to observe. And then from here, um, you know, I initially the baby steps with gratitude and uh, walks in the park in London. And I've read two, three pages every day. And when I gained more strength, Um, I discovered meditation and then I would do, um, you know, laying down on the bed because I was so tired. Um, And and that opened another door um, of meditation, guided meditation. And then I remember I discovered the Ho'oponopono, which is a forgiveness meditation. And for about three months, I would do it every day. Uh, And I would just not play it, but just by myself, um, sometimes walking, sometimes at home, sometimes when taking a bath, so really in a very natural way. And I remember every time when there was a phrase there, I forgive myself, I will instantly cry for Mm. so many weeks. And that was a journey I want to remember because it's, I don't know why, with the conditioning we have, it's so difficult to have self-compassion. It's so difficult to forgive ourselves for the choices we've made, for hurting ourselves, for hurting other people. So I remember it as a kind of turnaround moment, a moment with myself. Mm. And I'm very grateful as well for that practice. And then when I moved to Paris, I met Arno and I discovered the Hatha Yoga and and breathing. Um, And a few years after, I became a yoga teacher as well. 
Um, I discover also Vipassana meditation, and um, which is a silent retreat. You go there, you don't talk to anyone for 10 days, and there are like uh, 10 or 11 hours of meditation per day. So everything uh, started from a one minute of awareness, uh, from one minute of gratitude mm. every day. And then there was a whole world um, opening up. And I don't practice all of this every day, but I have the tools. So I know that uh, whenever I need something, it's available. I practice uh, loving kindness. That's my go-to practice. So whenever I work with a group, whenever I uh, meet someone or even spontaneously during the day, I would just stop for a few minutes and do the loving kindness meditation. I'm on the same page with the gratitude journey and uh, it does really teach a lot about yourself. So it does, um, for me, it taught that um, it's very hard for me to keep a daily practice. And I've made it a point through that uh, journey to actually have uh, daily posts. So it's been a, a really big internal shift for me um, to make it a point like every day, every single day, no matter what, before I go to sleep, I will do my small practice. And I could notice in myself when there was moments when I would tend to post just because I had a task to do. And the moments when I was like, okay, now I really, I'm really doing my gratitude practice. And it's a great, great tool to observe yourself and how you relate to gratitude and how you relate to a practice where you have to be quite disciplined every day. So I'll put a link to the uh, group also here. Uh, I know you welcome people all over, all over the world. And also what I love about the, the group is the community, the sense of community that is there. Um, I found so much joy in reading others, other people's um, gratitude moments. So it makes you feel less alone because it's one thing to be... With, with yourself, by yourself, in gratitude, in a relationship with the divine, let's say. And it's completely different to feel like you're together and you're witnessed in your gratitude. So um, I really recommend the group, the group wholeheartedly. And um, Vera, before we get into actually speaking about gratitude, which I'm uh, really curious about, you mentioned Arno, And I know that you met uh, Arno, your life partner and business partner. And then something amazing started to happen. Can you tell us more about uh, your current work and what happened after you met him? Yeah, so I uh, I met him very quickly after I moved to Paris. So it's a beautiful uh, love story. <laughs> and uh, and uh, then very quickly, I think it was less than a month uh, or like anyway, a few weeks Um uh, that uh, I my head global head of talent role kicked in and I said well it's amazing I feel we can we will do things together that go beyond our couple because he has this scientific background he has a PhD in molecular biology then he moved to consulting with PCG he was a VP in healthcare industry so and he was a yoga practitioner for I don't know, 10 years when I met him, hmm. he would practice every morning and he was religious about it. Uh, I always laugh because I said, you know, I'm doing uh, uh, coffee yoga. He would do yoga and I would enjoy my coffee next to him. Um, <laughs> so I knew we we're going to do something because I had this uh, people background, uh, leadership development, coaching, uh, and it seemed to me obvious that these two can come together. And he's also uh, very analytical, so different personality. 
uh, and different structure of the mind, let's say. Mm. Uh, and we said, wow, we are, when we are 60, we're going to do that. And then the 40s became the new 60s because of the context uh, that uh, came to our life. And then we uh, started Neuromindfulness Institute five years ago. And uh, we do now leadership development programs and uh, online certification for coaches and leaders, which, which I'm very happy you're part of this wonderful community. Yeah. Likewise, likewise. Um, you are doing amazing work and you're impacting people all over the world. And um, I feel like there is so much resource that you both are putting together um, to help upgrade the level of consciousness in, uh, in humanity right now uh, so you're um, teaching breathing you're teaching mindfulness neuromindfulness um, also gratitude and I'm that makes me curious how is gratitude part of everything that you're doing how is the um, is it like the connecting point of everything that you're doing is it is it central in what you're doing where does it stand it's a very good question, Emma, because I think gratitude was a bit like the, um, the glue of everything, but I haven't acknowledged that uh, until we started to talk about this podcast. And if you ask all of my friends, probably they will say, if you say one word about uh, Vera, it will be probably gratitude quite often because sure. of this group <laughs> and because of uh, I'm I'm very open now about sharing uh, this it takes one minute it takes one so I have a sales pitch you know it takes one minute not more you don't need <laughs> you can do it when you brush your teeth you can do so I'm passionate about it so I think um, um, if I think of all our work I, gratitude is part of who I am uh, and because I am that way it's uh, brought into the workspace as well but we don't have a program for gratitude or do anything around gratitude. I think it's more about role modeling and having it as a habit. So because once you train your mind, it's done. You know, the, that um, that pathway is there and then you can go on that um, highway uh, whenever you want. But it takes a little bit more effort to, to build it. And if you have it, then you can access it in tough times. Um, I started to practice gratitude in a really tough time, in burnout, and it was possible. But if you have it and you build it in good times, then it can be really um, a great support in more challenging times of life. Yeah, I totally agree. That has been also my experience. And unfortunately, I, I feel like there's a lot of uh, misunderstanding also around gratitude. Um, are there any myths that you see or uh, do you find any resistance in people when you tell them your pitch like it takes one minute do you do you feel like uh like any internal resistance that is there i think one one sweet memory that came to my mind when uh while we were talking is when i was in paris in the office and we had people from all over the world it was a headquarter for europe and there was a young lady and for Christmas, uh, we were raising money for, for kids um, for World Food Program. Um, and uh, I said, well, for whoever does this 20 something days of gratitude, like capturing a moment of gratitude, wherever you want, you don't have to prove it. You just have to do it and tell me you've done it. I would pay, I don't remember, 10, 20 euros or something. 
to the on top of my contributions, I would do this extra. So I remember we were 18 in the office. I did the math. It would have been a big amount if everyone would have done it. But in my mind, I was like, okay, if that's the price to pay. I'm actually willing to do it. And there was a young girl. I think she was an intern at that time, 23, 24. She looked at my post uh, in the in the kitchen and she said, oh, my God, I'm never going to be able to do it for 20 one, I think 21, because it's a classic days. It's so long. And well, um, yeah, I think if that's the starting point, I just share. I don't pitch because it means that person is in a place where maybe other things are more important or maybe there are other ways. Uh, for a lot of clients, um, the entry door is neuroscience. And that's the part that Arno does really, really well to come with studies, to come with research, saying what is actually happening with your brain and why um, this is a helpful habit. But if gratitude is not for you, maybe something different is for you. So I don't think it's the universal recipe. I just think it's a very easy to build habit compared to meditation, compared to breathing or yoga or um, you know other, other practices that require much more effort. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And what happens in our minds? And uh, because you've mentioned neuroscience, and now my neurons start to be all, oh, oh my God. Um, what happens when uh, when we practice gratitude? Well, I uh, will let you invite Arno for more details about uh, the networks of the brain and so on. But one of the studies that we show quite often in our programs when we talk about gratitude is a research from um, from about 15 years ago, which was one of the first relevant ones, uh, where they asked participants to journal, I think it was for three weeks, not, not for a very long time, to journal gratitude moments. And then there was uh, another group journaling hustle, so what went wrong in your life mm -hmm. uh, in those days. And then there was a control group journaling neutral events, just journal stuff, you know, what's happening in your life without any priming the mind to, to that. And there was a clear uh, research showing that uh, the group that journaled gratitude compared to the other two groups had more positive effect, uh, less negative effect, which means, you know, they would just feel better. They would feel more positive emotions uh, overall. Uh, they had a more optimistic outlook of life on life, right? In general, yeah. uh, more what the scientists call more pro-social behavior, which means like helping people. And I was wondering, how do they do this test? I mean, how do they know that I'm actually more compassionate? And, mm -hmm. and what they they put people, for example, in a waiting room for um, going to the doctor and then and then they see someone with handicap or someone uh, or a child or a pregnant woman comes in and then they see who will offer the place. So this kind of uh, tests they do on, uh, on this kind of experiment. And they notice that people are just better human beings. You know, they help more the others. Um, and, and what was also very interesting, better sleep. Now there's much more awareness about sleep and the importance of, um, you know, uh, sleeping well mm -hmm. and having a good quality and uh, seven, eight hours of sleep every night, if possible. That is amazing. That, that I feel like that is um, like the proof that anyone needs that gratitude is really something useful. 
And I do feel that uh, in a moment when life is very hard, it's hard to pick yourself up and go and practice some gratitude. Because what happens when we're experiencing something difficult is we want to solve the problem. We want to look at the, the problem and we want to get the problem out of the way and then we'll be grateful. But from what you're saying and also in my experience and my client's experience, it doesn't work like that. First, um, it first comes gratitude. First comes the moment of gratitude and then things start to shift for the better. But it is a bit counterintuitive, isn't it? When everything or you feel like everything is going I don't know, down or uh, everything is crumbling. You, it's not your instinct to go and practice gratitude, but it's something that helps us very much. Oh, and uh, there's one more thing. I feel like many people start to enforce gratitude on others as a way of um, trying to get others to get out of their low moment. Like, oh, come on, you should be grateful for this. You should be grateful for that. I'm curious, what is your, your view on that? And how can we practice gratitude without bullying ourselves? Or how can we practice gratitude while still acknowledging that something is not right in our lives, that we need more resources, we need something to change? I think, Emma, if that's a $1 million question, if we find the answer, we can write the book together. It's really, it's, it's really, um, you know, it's, it's not easy because if we are low, then we want people to listen to us. And sometimes I have great talks with Alice about that. Alice Nagnosakis is my best friend. She's in Australia now. So we talk all, every day about, um, about life. And we, we acknowledge that when both of us are down, then it's, it's easy because we help each other. When both of us are happy and life is good, and then it's easy. But then when one of us is, you know, in a good place and the other one is not in a good place, then that's that's quite challenging for both sides. Because um, if I'm in a good place, I want to share that with the world. I want to share it and I understand it helps people to, to build hope, to get the light, to get, you know, that positive energy and warmth and, and compassion. But in the same time, not too much, because uh, I remember when when I was not well in during the pandemic and Alice was well, you know, we had this conversation. I was like, I'm happy for you, but the small part of me today, you know, is not happy for you. You know, I'm just looking at my pain. So I think it's mm -hmm. just okay to acknowledge um, that uh, we do the best we can um, in regardless of where we are, we might be more into the, well, life is good or life is really, really challenging. And Finding people who are there for us is uh, the first thing I would do now when I'm in trouble because I realize how much this support system, um, even if they're annoying with their positive things, it's overall for me uh, that works. But I do know what you're talking about uh, with this uh, positive attitude that almost looks like bullying. Of course, there are people with no food in this world. They don't. You have so much, right? Um, and and that's also something to watch out because uh, we have no idea what the person in front of us is going through. Although uh, we have pretty pictures on Instagram and Facebook and everywhere, there is still a lot of pain in the world. And when I look at my pictures from the pandemic, from the first lockdown, I look so happy. I mean, I had pretty pictures in the garden and I look at that. If someone would show me that picture, I would never think that that person is in burnout or very close to 
to burn out. So yeah, maybe keeping the awareness all the time and checking where we are, what, how do we feel, what the other person in front of us uh, feels, where are they in their journey, and acknowledging um, both the light and the shadow. Mm-hmm. That's really important, Vero. And I feel like sometimes we need just to be held in uh, the space, in a safe space, the way that we are uh, held energetically, emotionally, and not be told what to feel, how to feel. And I feel like when that happens, um, and actually I think this is, this is compassion, if I think about it, then gratitude starts to emerge naturally. Like, okay, I feel safe. I feel okay feeling whatever feeling I'm feeling right now. <laughs> And then uh, I can start to move to um, towards gratitude. And um, there's also this acknowledgement that maybe we maybe there's both. Um, I think Daniel Siegel has this concept of integration that there can be both at the same time. There can be polarities existing at the same time. Yes, on one hand, I'm grateful for my coffee and my nice cup. It says courage here on the cup. I love it. I'm grateful for our meeting right now but also there are things that maybe are challenging me today or in this very moment and they don't need to exclude one another right we can integrate them is that your experience also can yes can you relate totally relate to that and daniel i saw daniel siegel uh, at an event uh, three years ago in in san francisco and it's amazing what he did and his work is really now available for um, for a lot of us and he talks a lot about integration and we uh, include that into our retreats as well we understand you know how important it is to stop after any experience life experience or an experience you create for yourself of course um, listening to a podcast you know there is integration in everything that happens if you just pause and take the learnings from that and just allow the emotions or the whatever lesson comes for you to to surface. So it's a really beautiful concept. I'm happy you brought it here. Um, and coming back to gratitude, maybe maybe one thing we can share is that initially uh, you don't have to create gratitude. So I'm um, in a way I changed my sales speech from capturing gratitude to just catch it when it comes if it's very difficult or you find it artificial or too commercial because everybody talks about gratitude so i don't want to do it because right we have this thing uh, you either embrace or we don't it has to be Mm. yes or no it has to be black or white Uh, sometimes my invitation to uh, especially when i work with business executives is to just keep um, a paper or the remarkable whatever tool you have to capture and along the day along the week if you feel spontaneously gratitude, capture that. And some of them have weeks when they, it's like, oh my God, there's so much gratitude. I didn't realize that uh, it just comes. And there are weeks when when there's not much just because of busyness. And there's another discussion, you know, we could go, okay, what is the cause? So it's very, very powerful to, uh, if we feel it's too difficult or we feel resistance to generate, maybe to just become aware when it's happening in a very natural way. And why do you think that business makes us less prone to recognize um, maybe reasons for gratitude? 
I don't think it's business. I think it's B- mainly no, business, the, busyness. Ah, business, business, yeah. business. Yeah, business. I think it's just the way our brain is constructed, right? Our brain is designed by evolution to keep us safe, not to make us happy. This is it. That's the biology of our brain. And now we know the research with negativity bias, right? We need three to one, um, um, like three to to three negative emotions, to three uh, to one negative emotion or negative thought or event. We need three positives to be on zero. So, uh, and in couples mm-hmm. or like with close family members, five to one. So. Uh, our brain captures much more uh, events that are negative or or threat because uh, it's designed like this to be a control tower to keep us safe. It was more important for us <laughs> to run away from the bear than to uh, smell the flowers. So now we want more to get into thriving and to flourishing and and it requires work. It requires effort to train the brain to to stay there. And coming back, connecting this research with uh, with what you said about positive, inf- too much positive, the researchers brought this to the extreme, and there is a limit to if you have 13 positives and one negative, then it just doesn't feel right. It doesn't work anymore. Uh, so it's very interesting to see that oh. there is uh, there is a um, the reason why we have those negative emotions and events or whatever happens, so we can. But we need to train our brain uh, if we want more positive. It's called positivity offset. So basically to uh, stop and notice those positive moments or gratitude moments or happy moments, call it whatever. We have different language for uh, for whatever is important for us. But, but stay in that light, in the positive um, element. And and that it's possible to notice the positive and acknowledge it. And actually in Romanian, uh, so the Romanian word for gratitude is recunoștință, uh, which comes from recunoaștere, which is like acknowledging. So the first thing, um, the first step towards gratitude is to see what's in front of you and to acknowledge what is right in front of you. Uh, And that can be positive and maybe most times it is positive. And um, my first point was that maybe by acknowledging the positive, we can also integrate and look at what is negative that needs to be addressed. Because I feel that many people feel like, okay, if I start to uh, look at just the bright side, I won't get into a space where I problem solve or where where I level up in the areas of my life where I want to to level up. And um, I think there was Marisa Peer, uh, a teacher from uh, uh, from the UK who works a lot with being enough, with being enough. And she was saying that um, many people think that if you start to believe that you're enough, you stop doing anything. Uh, okay, I'm enough. Now I'm, I won't progress anymore. But it's the other way around. By you feeling that you're enough, you start to acknowledge, oh, I'm enough. I don't have to prove anything. I have potential. Wow, the world is mine. Now I start to do things many more things and from a whole different space than before when I was not feeling enough and I feel like it's the same the same with gratitude I start to acknowledge what is here in front of me Um, I acknowledge what is positive and this gives me hope and energy and resources to deal with what's negative so it's still the discernment is there I still work on my life I still upgrade but still I'm grateful for what is here and I feel like this, like this is so hard. It's like um, a life skill. 
Yeah, it, it's hard because we decide to make it hard, right? Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, if we think it's just one minute of my life, um, I'm the master procrastinator. So I understand procrastination. You know, every year I have these <laughs> amazing goals about going to the gym. Or, so, uh, but there's no excuse for one minute if we really want. So that's why, in a way, it's one of those things that if we want to make it hard, it can be hard. Like the the young girl in the kitchen, you know, saying, wow, there's no way I can make it to 21 days. Or we can just take it in a playful way and say, well, mm -hmm. let's have fun uh, and, and do a challenge. Or, you know, there are various ways in which you can make it easy and, and uh, accessible. Yeah, I love what you're saying um, around being curious. Let's see what happens. Let's see if I start on this. Hmm. And I have to admit that before, 100 days of gratitude seemed a lot, seemed like that is like a third of the year. Oh, oh my God, it felt a lot. But now, at the second try, it doesn't feel a lot at all. It just feels manageable um, with some tools, with some reminders every day, right? I have a small reminder uh, every evening at 11 p.m. to just uh, post that uh, gratitude for the day on the group. And uh, I think I'm now on uh, day 50, and it will be day 70 by the end of the year. So I've made it a point. I was like, on December 31st, I want it to be day 77, <laughs> because I'm, I'm in love with the number seven. So I counted all the days, but right, this was like the, um, I don't know, uh, I'm a bit weird in that way, but uh, this, this was... <laughs> it's just funny. I find it cute and funny. Yeah, yeah this was the second time. Um, but because the first time it was a totally different thing. So I can completely relate with how monumental and how big something can seem at first. But if you, we stay curious, if we try, then um, it's like a whole new door opening up to us. Yeah, and I'm on day 102. So I just finished another round and it was really beautiful to, to see again the whole journey unfolding. And one thing that I do now before I do the 100th journey, I set an intention. Uh, and an intention can be I want to get more insights about a project that's in the business or I want to get an insight on how, how to follow my path on the professional side or Maybe I want to bring more uh, love and connection in the family. So any this like big, big intention and then I let it go and then come back, come back to it at the end. And it's really beautiful to see that even on a cognitive level, sometimes uh, there are insights, there are projects that were created during the, mm. the gratitude. I did the, um, the journey with Arno when we met and when he was more open to experience all the tests from HR world and all the you know things that I, I proposed to him and we did it together. So we would stop every day and acknowledge the moment of gratitude, we would take a picture or a quote and he, he was building slides. So his his lives in slides and everything is slides for him. So we have that documented. And what was amazing is that on day 99 or 100, and when we did the journey together, we did it only once together, uh, I got pregnant and I couldn't have kids. So I knew all my life that I cannot have kids, um, oh. made peace with that thought. We knew about that. And yeah, well, it is a coincidence. It's not whatever, whatever it is, I'm grateful for it, you know. So and every journey has this kind of magical element for me. 
uh, in it. So there was one journey I remember when at the end it was very clear that we need to do leading with wisdom. That's that's what we do in the business world. That's the umbrella. There was another one when we created um, the new brand Neuro Mindfulness because initially we had a different name, Fly Through Life. Um, so a, a lot of things were born in this 100 um journeys wow. even on the cognitive side not only how i feel or, or or how i experience you know the the blessings and the connection with other people you know i just got goosebumps uh when you share that i feel like it is really 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 magical wow and uh now you have a seven-year-old i believe six and a half yes six and a half yes uh, amazing amazing how do you find uh, gratitude in your world as a mother how how is, does it come in um how do you practice it because i i believe there's a lot of triggers coming from 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 your child right as it tends to happen of course yeah they they come as teachers they're the best teachers because they press those buttons really really hard so i have to admit that it's not easy in the sense of i don't think we talk enough about how challenging it is to be a parent uh, now there's more openness about it and even if you're mindful even if you have enough time with your child even you know even our child was healthy happy so like we got an easy job i would say compared mm. to other parents who have really really big struggles uh, but the fact that you don't really sleep uh, for many years, or at least in our case, you know, there's the night is fragmented, so you don't get enough sleep, then emotion regulation and, you know, you, your emotions are not always in control. And there's a whole chain of, of reactions um, from coming from this uh, parenthood, not, not only motherhood. Uh, so gratitude is a good tool. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. In order to make it part of our life as a family, we have it since our son was three, we have it as a dinner ritual. So we live in France and dinner is sacred. So we always have dinner together and it's our um, it's our moment when we talk, we share about the day. So it's it's a thing, it's a moment. It's not only about the food. And that's when we bring this. Uh, initially, it was what made you happy today. Um, and now it's more and more into what what are you grateful for today and now it's if we forget and me, me and Arno forget our son comes and we haven't done this or sometimes I bring him to bed and he's like mom we forgot so it's like a serious thing you know for him it's like we forgot <laughs> to do this and then he comes with something exciting you know for me today and that you know if we have more and more people around us it can be, uh, I remember when I was in the business, you know, I had few colleagues who were very passionate and they would always come and say, hey, what are you grateful for today? So it can be easy. It can be fun. It can be really like a kid, you know, oh, my God, we forgot to do it. Let's do it. So um, <laughs> keeping that curiosity, as you said, keeping that joy of discovering what is that one moment of gratitude if there's only one today amazing how he picks up from from you and uh you're passing on this legacy um to him and i i do at least in my experience kids are so so open to these kind of practices like they are so open i remember when i used to teach meditation to kids in schools and uh, the older the child was the greater the resistance was there so 
and very small children, they're all up for it. They're all up for imagining a big balloon around them, which is very colorful and is taking them away to some space to see the clouds. And they're with the eyes closed, like, oh, I see this color and this color. But as they get older, like the conscious mind starts to analyze, hmm, what are we, why are we doing this? What are we doing here, actually? And they start to become a bit more, oh, the colleagues are going to see me. Um, is this cool? Is everyone else doing it? Or, uh, yeah, but yeah. when they're, they're small, they're like super, super, super open. And I feel like it's in our nature. It's in our nature to meditate, to feel grateful, to feel joyful. Uh, it's just that we can forget it sometimes. And uh, maybe the practice is there too, just to remind us of what's uh, deep, deep within. It is. And going back to the brain and what is happening in the brain between 8 and 12, we uh, we have this network in the brain that's developed uh, called default mode network. So it's when our brain doesn't do anything, it goes actually on this default mode network. And um, usually, uh, because our brain is designed to keep us safe, um, it travels in the past or in the future, but it it kind of captures a lot of the negatives, mm. you know, either, either worrying about the future or um, going back and ruminating uh, or ruminating about the future uh, or going back and worrying about the past. So anyway, we have this like time travel and that's why mindfulness, what it does, it brings us in the now, it trains this, this network, which is in balance with two other networks. I'm not going to get into details, but um it trains this network to be to be available for us because we do need we do need the default mode network, but also we need to 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 silence it when we have focus work to do or when we want to activate gratitude and stay in the present moment. And that's what mindfulness does. That's what gratitude does. And breathing coming, we cannot breathe in the future or in the past. We want to focus on the breath. We are in the now. So all these all this, um, yeah. examples that you give with kids is because they don't have the default mode network so form, which is in the spiritual world is associated with the ego. And it's the narrative we tell about who we are. And that's when it's formed between 8 and 12. So kids before 10 don't really need meditation. Uh, it's wonderful to build a habit or to play with uh, meditation because then it helps them afterwards. Uh, but otherwise they are naturally in the present happy or unhappy you will know if a kid uh, what they feel it's rarely that they can self-regulate completely <laughs> <laughs> they have extreme emotions true true um yeah thank you for sharing that it's good that they have you close by or they that they have adults close by who can help them regulate and um teach them how to actually regulate their emotions. And this is so important. Vera, I'm wondering, you work a lot with um, with clients in the corporate world, and not only, but mainly um, clients who are in business at the moment. And um, I'm curious, what are the challenges that you see right now in them, as if, there, if there's anything general that you can share? And uh, what is the approach that you come with? Or what is the, um, let's say, not the advice, but the, the recommendations, the practice that you come to support 
Yeah, it's it's a question that we ask ourselves a lot because all our work is there to evolve and to address the, the needs of, of leaders in the business. Our work is, you know, to bring neuroscience and mindfulness, but it's in the business setting. We know the business world. We're not neuroscientists. Well, Arna is a scientist, but um, and and we are not the most experienced yoga teachers or meditation teachers, but we know business. We both of us had a successful career for 20 years plus in the business. So we want to bring these tools in the business world and make that life, you know, better and easier. And there are lots of challenges. So when I talk to HR leaders, uh, friends from business, uh, CEOs, there's a lot on the agenda and there are a lot of worries. But if I have to narrow it down to one thing, I would say it's tiredness. There is a deep tiredness in almost every person we meet. Uh, I think probably 80% of of leaders we met during workshops, one-to-one coaching sessions, you know, I would say, yeah, it's quite high percentage, around 80% that are extremely tired, deeply tired. If you ask them, what's your biggest wish? They will say, I want to go in a place uh, and, and, you know, just without the phone, without anything and sleep for a week. We heard that so many times. So uh, I think that's one of the biggest challenges on how to pose, how to how to pose, how to disconnect from social media, from family, from everything, just to have a good sleep, good rest and, and recharge. And I also have examples of uh, even CEOs, global CEOs, global HR, people who travel a lot, who have also families who found a way to keep things in balance most of the time, but it's not easy. So I would say that the majority of, because there's so much pressure uh, to be performant and to come, you know, with newer products, with better propositions for Mm. clients, the world, the business world evolves so fast. Now there is this always connected madness uh, that makes us extremely tired. It tires the prefrontal cortex uh, and uh, the brain so we don't have the time to to recharge and just to be not only to do things well that's that is very powerful um and yeah the pressure that is there the the need for accomplishment is clearly there and how can one start when you maybe (laughs) some of us listening um go like oh yeah i'm right there i feel this right now in my life how does one start on a restful journey let's say for me it's always easy to start with something that comes natural uh like if reaching out to a dear friend is natural then that produces oxytocin for example then just do it, you know, every day, you know, make sure you have like your 10 minutes of when you talk to a friend or to your mom or to someone dear to your heart to recharge. If walking in nature is natural, then make sure you have enough breaks during the day. Um, if gratitude, you know, it's easy or you you want to do it, then it's really one minute per day. Um, so really start where where you are and whatever comes easy I would go with on that path because when we are so tired adding another thing a course 
a meditation practice or something new can be extremely tiring as well just to think of how you're going to do it when you know the mind goes in all the directions it can be super frustrating so i would encourage to maybe observe pause and say okay what is really really easy for me uh, when i'm happy when i'm at peace what do i do and be curious about that and discover what is my mindfulness you know i don't believe that there is a recipe for uh, all of us arno is passionate about breathing i'm passionate about meditation and gratitude uh, mm -hmm. I know you're passionate a lot, uh, about breathing as well, but breathing doesn't work for everybody. Meditation doesn't work for, for all of us. So I think um, now with what I know today, um, there are many ways of knowing and there are many ways of growing. Uh, and um, my invitation for, for um, our friends listening to us is maybe to just pause a little bit, uh, like I did in London, woke up one morning, I took a coffee and I said, well, today I'm not going to work. It was Saturday and it looked like a big deal. I'm not going to work for a day. I'm just going to take a piece of paper and write down three things that make me happy. I've never done that until 34. It's, you know, oh. that sounds crazy, but I've never done that. Just have a, um, a date with myself, right? Took a coffee and wrote down those three things. And that made me aware that I had nothing from those three things that made me happy. So it oh. could be a reflection, it could be a walk, um, but then once you find that small thing that comes easy, do it for 100 days. And then, then in the journey, you might discover other elements. It can be just a portal into bringing more elements uh, once you get more energy. I love it. I love it. I love it. It's all about simplicity and... I just got out actually um I just got out of a planning business planning meeting with a group of uh, amazing ladies and uh, she was um so the leader of that group was asking us how does expansion and next level look for us um for next year in our business and my first instinct was yeah expansion going big uh, adding lots of things because it's next level right you feel like you need to have more but when I stopped for a second, I realized that next level, next level for me is actually to put some things aside, to not try many, many, many things and just do what works and um, maybe work less with more results. And it felt like uh, stepping back from all the do, 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 and just come down to what is um, important, relevant, and also find more, more time for myself. I feel like we often don't see how connected our state is to the state of our business. No matter how what the business is, it can be you're creating shoes or you're working with people, right? In any kind of business, your state reflects into the business. So it's so, so important. Even for the business, it's like an investment. Uh, those 10 minutes in the morning when instead of jumping on the phone, you take your time to ground and set an intention for the day. It's an investment in the business and at night before going to sleep, instead of scrolling the phone, maybe you take some moment of gratitude and you write on the on the group on 100 gratitude challenge group. Um, it, it makes such a difference, such a difference in your state and then in the business. So thank you so much for sharing that, Vero. And uh, before we end, can you share with us 
three things that make you grateful right now or today. And then three things that maybe other expressed to you that they're grateful for. It may mm. or may not include you. <laughs> Thank you for the for the question. I'm really grateful for family. Um, I uh, after three very challenging years with lots of joys as well, but um, with uh, big challenges. I'm very grateful when good place. We decided to move uh, in the south of France from Paris to completely reshuffle our life, the business, the school, so everything. And and we had a clear vision, and now we are there. We are here for a year and a half, and it just feels like home. Um, so very grateful for that. I'm grateful for the community that was formed around the neuromindfulness online course, which is just a course, to be honest. I mean, it's a it's a we got we get great feedback, but it's at the end of the day, it's knowledge. But the people that uh, I met and the friends I've met and um, the whole community of 450 people from 45 countries now is just something that uh, we never People ask me, how how did you plan for that? How did you get there? I have no idea. We just did our best. And then people join. And then now we learn as well from, from people in the community. And some of them are wonderful human beings and extremely experienced professionals. So that's the second one. Um, yeah, I think these are the... These are the big things and then I'm very grateful for learning I'm now on a journey of um, becoming um, in a course to become a facilitator for retreats a professional facilitator and it's a wonderful journey I am participant I learn in a group where I'm, I think I'm one of the youngest uh, so lots of life experience and uh, wonderful facilitation every uh, Thursday for two hours and a half I go to school you know I go and learn <laughs> a skill that looks so easy but actually there are lots of nuances to to that so that's um mm, love it and the other one was what what people say they're grateful for um I think I have a very interesting way of functioning, uh, even with social media or calling or when I think of someone, I drop a note or when I do, I, I like what they post or so I connect with people in a sort of an agile way that doesn't make any sense to Arno, for example, who's, who looks and was like, well, when did, how do you know this? And I think people feel that it's sometimes it's more superficial, like a like or a smile or something. And sometimes it's like giving a call and saying, hey, I thought of you. Are you okay? I know this is happening or I know your kid is sick. Or So I think that connection, I quite often people give me that, um, you know, in, in return as gratitude of I feel really that, you know, you've connected with me and you've supported me through a tough times or just being there to celebrate. So... Um, I'm, I'm the, I am that way when I'm well, when I'm not well, I go back to, you know, in my, uh, hibernating mode and just take care of myself and my family. And that's okay as well. Well, being on the other side of, uh, your uh, likes and, and comments and support, um, I can say that it does feel amazing and feels uh, very supportive and it feels like you're, um, it feels like someone's receiving, uh, whatever, I decided to put out there and um yeah i've always been really admiring on how you can manage to bring 
such amazing energy to um, people that you just read online or are present with online. And I do feel very, very grateful that, for that. And maybe to those listening, you can pause this video and also think a bit um, about three things that make you grateful right now, but also three things or more or just one things that people share with you that they're grateful for because that is not something that we take in very easily when someone comes to us and say Emma I'm so grateful for this about you or you've helped me in this way I can either choose to okay yeah great I'm, I'm happy or really take it in and, and realize that yeah I am on the other side of someone's gratitude and there's so much gratitude around that so Vero, you are really on uh, on the other side of my gratitude right now. <laughs> you are a, a beautiful recipient of my really big gratitude at this moment, and uh, not only. And uh, I definitely am going to speak a lot more about your work and what you do together with Arno. And if you can share with us before we end, uh, how can people find you? How can they connect with you? What is your open-hearted invitation, let's say? <laughs> So I'm I'm on Facebook with my name Veronica Brejan uh, or LinkedIn. I think on Facebook we're two my cousin as well, so the same name. Uh, one cousin, exactly the same name. Uh, so the blonde one is me. Uh, so you can connect on. <laughs> on uh, I'm a friendly person. You can connect on um, Facebook, on LinkedIn, uh, over on Instagram. And you, if you want to read more about what we do, we also have a website. It's uh, neuromindfulnessinstitute.com. And there you can see more about uh, the course and the online certification and all the details. If you have questions, you can just write back to me and uh, very happy to have a conversation about, uh, about that. And if that's a suitable program, we're happy to have you with us and grow together. Uh, if not, maybe we can um, exchange other other information or uh, very happy to share if there's something particular that you need from us and we don't have to go through the course. Um, you can just write to me and I'll share. And of course, the conversation about gratitude uh, doesn't end here. There's uh, a lot more to speak, but um, my invitation right now is to actually find a small moment every day where you can um, bring this uh, feeling, not just idea or concept of gratitude, but the actual feeling in your heart. And um, guys, if you if you do this, drop us a comment and let us know how it's going. Let us know how what makes you feel grateful, what uh, lights you up, what brings you joy. And uh, let that joy be the resource for everything else in your life. And uh, Vero, thank you so, so much for being here today. Wishing you and everybody Merry Christmas and uh, if you celebrate and an amazing um, start of the year. And uh, we'll be in touch. Stay in love and be, be love, be gratitude. Thank you, Emma. Wonderful Christmas, uh, end of the year, beginning of the year to everyone. And it's a, it's a beautiful time of the year. So um, make sure you spend it wisely. <laughs> <laughs>